welcome to Speaking of College. Welcome, it's your source for reliable knowledge. Oh yeah, we got Dr. P as your host. As your host, we gon' tell you what you need to know. Need to know. Need to know. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you grow. The more you know, the more you grow. Grow. Get more knowledge. Knowledge. Welcome to Speaking of College. Speaking of College. Yeah. Welcome back to Speaking of College, your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and today's episode is a conversation about health and wellness. College can be an experience that takes up a lot of time, so it's important for students to pay attention to things like the amount of food, water, and rest they have along the way. In this episode, I had a great conversation with Jonathan Morocco about how college students can adopt healthy behaviors. During the break, I'll tell you more about Jonathan's company called Fiddlist. But for now, let's get into the show. Welcome to Speaking of College, your source for reliable answers to college-related questions. I'm your host, Amelia Parnell, and I'm excited to bring you this episode with Jonathan Morocco as we talk about health and wellness. Jonathan is a first-generation Nigerian-American who was born and raised in a small town in Mississippi. He attended the University of Pennsylvania as a Gates Millennium Scholar, where he received his bachelor's in biological basis of behavior and completed a dual degree master's in public health and bioethics. He'll begin his third master's program in nonprofit leadership, also at Penn this fall. Jonathan is also the founder of Fiddlelist, which uses college student and campus data to promote student wellness behavior. As a student entrepreneur, his interests lie at the intersection of wellness, education, and equity. He enjoys reading, exploring new environments, and playing basketball. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Cool. Now, do you go by Jonathan or Morocco? My friends call me Morocco, so let's go by Morocco. Morocco it is. Well, Morocco, I want to ask you the same first question that I ask everybody, which is that whenever I have a guest on the show, it's it's very easy to get quickly into the conversation where it's obvious that they're an expert. But before you became an expert in so many areas, you had to get your start in college somewhere. So let's start off by talking about where you got your start. I see you have the black pin t-shirt on, but tell us where you got your college start and what influenced your decision to go there. Oh, yeah. So I started my undergraduate career at the University of Pennsylvania, Penn, but I actually grew up on campus of an HBCU in rural Mississippi named Russ College, where uh, both my parents who immigrated here from Nigeria worked at. So I literally lived on the college campus yeah. and, you know, did summer camp there and just literally spent 60% of my time on the campus. So that was like my first introduction to just premier college experiences, especially at a historical black college university. In high school, somehow, some way, I was accepted into the University of Pennsylvania. And the first time I visited, which was also the first time I was on an airplane, uh, was during their um, scholars preview or accepted students week. I started at the Multicultural Scholars Preview Week, and then I went into the, the regular student week, and everything was new. It felt like I was in like a brand new world, yeah. <laughs> especially coming from small town Mississippi. The lectures I went to, I was just captivated by just the class itself, being in the lecture rooms or being in the you know, small discussion rooms, as well as just the people that I met from 
around the world. It was just super different. <laughs> and I'm in the, you know, the great city of Philadelphia. Yeah. So it was, it was just a new world. And it was so new that I was kind of scared to, to actually attend the school because it was like a 17 hour drive from home. I didn't know anyone. But my last night that I was, you know, at this preview weekend or week, I met another first generation Nigerian American who was a graduating senior. And I kind of told her, like, you know, she actually helped me print out my plane ticket back home. Okay. okay so she was super helpful on that front. But I also told her, like, yeah, I'm here. I'm from Mississippi. This is totally different. Can you give me, like, you know, the rundown of, like, like, how is it for, you know, first-generation students, students like me? And she she really gave me the, the rundown. And she also talked about the resources that are available at Penn for students like me. Um, she also offered to introduce me to her brother, who was a rising senior the year that I was coming in as a freshman. And coincidence, I'm actually meeting or going to catch up with him this weekend. Full circle. His birthday. So it's just a full circle moment. But that really convinced me to take that leap. I thought to myself, all right, when will I get another chance to move somewhere for four years? Uh, Four years turned to like 10, 11 years. (laughs) (laughs) Minor details. Exactly. So, you know, four years and really experience something different. Mississippi, back home, was always going to be home. So I just took the leap of faith and I kind of shocked my whole family (laughs) and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was, it's been a fantastic journey. Yeah. Well, Morocco, I know you can be modest, but I could say Penn, you know, being a a campus that we all know pretty well as being pretty selective and pretty rigorous and also immersed in a really great city of Philadelphia. I can only imagine how all those things combined would make you feel as a a first time coming on a college campus. I can relate. So I'm wearing my FAMU t-shirt. Having grown up in a a rural Lake City, Florida, moving to Tallahassee wasn't nearly as big as Philadelphia. But I think I hear so many things in your response to that, which is that there's a a great need to feel a sense of connection to the campus, understand what's going on, but also understand that you have a network of people at some point that you're trying to build. You want to make friends, you want to make connections, somebody who can show you what to do and explain really complex things, kind of like what we try to do with the show. So uh, I like to start there because it's a pretty good indication that regardless of where you started from, you can go off and do really, really great things. And so I think Fitalist, which I've introduced in your bio, is a really good example of that. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And maybe let's, let's get into it now and talk about maybe your the intersection of topics that you really like. So it's pretty obvious when we met several months ago that anything related to health and well-being, obviously something related to college students, that really piques your interest. And then we really got going on a conversation about data and how data is being collected and what we know about what our data are being used for. So if you had to think maybe a little bit more recently, maybe if you could share a little bit about what, what got you interested in health and well-being, what got you interested in just topics like this and what made you decide to go further with it with Fiddlist? Oh, yeah. So health and well-being, it's been a very interesting journey for me. So I don't know what the audience knows about like Mississippi, but like Mississippi is like the most unhealthy state in the United States, as well as the poorest state. And we have like the lowest quality of education. So in that context, I used to work 
at a grocery store. I was a bag boy, bagging groceries. And that was kind of like my purview on the world or my world at that moment. And when I reflect, I really have this perception or got like a perspective of like wellness in general of like, you know, what you eat is can become like what you are and the influence of exercise and tending to your your mental wellness and mindfulness. Um, my mom was a, a big advocate of working out. She used to work out every morning, like at the crack of dawn, you know, four, five a.m. Just working out, listening to her Nigerian music, and uh, <laughs> just you know, got me and my brothers just super interested in wellness. So coming to Penn, I studied a fancy uh, major called biological basis of behavior. Okay. And essentially it's a combination of like behavioral science and the brain basically. So that was just like super interesting to me, just learning about all these different ways that people think and why people do things and how that connects to the biology of, of the person. So that was like, you know, super, I just had fun and I learned Every day I went to class. And in addition to that, I was super involved on campus, involved in like extracurriculars and involved in all of the you know, resources for students who need help. So extracurriculars, I was vice president of fraternity, Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. I was, you know, over president of Minority Association for Pre-Health Students. I was a director of the student group that brought multicultural entertainers to campus. Yeah. And he, you know, managed a big budget. And I was just like super entrepreneurial. <laughs> and a student at the same time. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like, I'm like, wait, I'm managing all these people, a budget, and I'm putting on events for people or, you know, my peers. So super entrepreneurial. Also taking advantage of all the resources on campus, whether that's tutoring center, learning, whether that's, you know, I played basketball at least five times a week. I was uh-huh. addicted to playing basketball at Pot Truck. Also involved with, I think I was even on the board for like the dining halls, making that experience just like super or better for students on campus. So all those things kind of just like came together at once. And I saw that as I kind of became more and more like vulnerable and like really seeking different experiences, I became a better student. I became like a better version of myself. And I think with Fiddleist, that's like our goal. Like every student should become a better version of themselves during, you know, their time in college, like, first off, we're paying a lot of money or someone's paying a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a transformative time period in your life where you're forming those habits, you're forming that confidence to just be a better whatever you become after your time at college. So I kind of start thinking, like, what would I use right now or in the future to help me save some time because I spent a lot of time, you know, trial and error, just really figuring it out. And I'm 
uh, about to start my third degree, a master's degree, and I'm still figuring it out. Like it's, yeah. it's a work in progress. But like I spent all that time, and I think we're in like the age where we can use technology, especially if it's embedded in a certain type of way, embedded into the workflows of you know the student in a certain way to really help students know what they don't know. Yeah. Pertaining to wellness, pertaining to all the factors of wellness, whether that's, you know, your mental wellness or like what you eat or your social wellness, your, your, your financial wellness, all these different aspects that students are interested in and want to succeed. in. so that's kind of how I came up with the idea. I guess things that I didn't mention was I started my first degrees were in my first master's degrees were in public health and bioethics. And now uh, I'm starting another degree in nonprofit leadership. So really, you can call me a student entrepreneur, really yeah. learning what students need, learning, you know, being on a campus and really understanding the needs of the students to figure out this problem, as well as using what I'm learning in class in real time to build and gain those insights. I see a natural connection between all of this. And if it wasn't obvious for me explaining your bio, you know, what you're doing right now, I think that answer right there pretty much seals it for us. So between the formal education and training and the long list of things you've been doing in Philadelphia and at Penn, I think that pretty much confirms that you got a little something to say, you know, about health and well-being. I think I literally have had this same conversation at least three different times on a personal level and a professional level about just staying in shape and overall goals for yourself. So when you you mentioned like mindset and behavior being connected to that. It truly is. You know, I think just the willpower to get up and start moving and go to the gym. If you've had a long day, my sister and I have committed now, you know, we got about 90 days until our birthday. So we said that we were going to try to get on a fitness plan to do something. It's not even a milestone birthday, but you just need some motivation to, to get you going. So literally earlier today, I had a conversation with a professional on a college campus who leads the health and well-being area and talking about how to get students interested in this type of thing. And make it be a part of their regular daily habits. So that's a nice segue to kind of just for the sake of um, framing it for our listeners, those who might not be as familiar with trends right now. So this could be somebody who's thinking about going to college or maybe somebody who's supporting someone who's currently in college. As we talk about this a lot, I mean, we're close to it. I'm close to it. So are you. I know there are some topics in the bucket of health and well-being that you probably are very familiar with and I know of, but just for the purpose of letting our audience know what those topics are, I think I'd probably start off and say, of course, mental health is one that is oftentimes discussed, but what are some other dimensions of health and well-being that students in college should be thinking about and working on? What would you say? I know it's a softball question, but just to make sure we're all talking about the same thing. What's, what's in that big bucket if there's something to add to mental health? What other types of health and well-being should students be thinking about? Yeah, I think like college, I like to think of it as it's like a simulation. Like you eat, play, live, you do everything on the college campus. So I can't think of any analogy of like the experience in and of itself. So I think you have to kind of look at the student, the whole student, you know, sometimes, and I, I mentioned this earlier, like there's a social wellness aspect of college. You know, you want to meet people and you want to connect and you want to belong. And there's also like a financial wellness standpoint, like, you want to maybe build your credit for the first time or learn how to invest or manage your money. Um, there's also like the other aspects of that holistic wellness approaches, like spiritual wellness, 
physical wellness, nutritional wellness, mental wellness, even professional wellness. You want to tap into what you hope to become in the future and learn about that industry and get those internships and be comfortable and know how to talk to recruiters or whoever you need to talk to. And I think all those aspects matter, especially since you do everything on a college campus. So I like to take that perspective. And I guess to add, I like to think about it as like at any given moment, you're like focused on that one aspect or they kind of integrate, but like you're all of those things at once. So like at this current moment, I might want to go to the gym or go for a run after this. And I kind of move from being or studying to like focusing on working out. And then after I work out, focusing on eating something well. So it's like all those things you kind of rotate through as the day goes by. And it's important to kind of give your best shot and to, you know, achieve success and all those things. So I think all of those components of wellness are important for a 21st century student. Oh, absolutely. And you made a good list there. I didn't think about the professional wellness component, but it's so true though. And I think if we're looking at it in comparison to current trends right now, there are a lot of students who work while they're in college. And so that idea of what does it mean to be a professional? How do you view your contributions to society? Are you working for the public good? Are you working for yourself? Is it a combination of the two? How do you feel about the hierarchy that sometimes is in the workplace, a whole lot you could do there. I think that this is truly a good example. When you made your list, all I could think about was decisions. And so just thinking like now, so let's say after we finish this conversation, you know, we both decide to go and exercise and to your point, maybe get something to eat, something like that. We have to choose what we want to do and how we use our time and our mindsets and things like that. And to find balance across all these competing priorities. So how much does it cost to get that food that I'm going to be eating and that type of thing. So I got to ask this question, which is going to be kind of real time. You know, I, I'd like to think that the way you framed health and well-being is truly holistic. And the the ideal student would be thinking at all times about how to move through all those dimensions of health. But every so often we get the anecdote or the example of the student who says, I got an exam coming up on Friday and I'm not going to sleep until I can learn all this material. Or they have some other reason that they've actually neglected maybe their overall sleep and consumption of water and things like that. And if you ask said student, they might say, well, I just had to. I had to choose this option of staying up late or not doing this or not working out today to meet the demands of this other thing. So I got to ask the obvious question, which is, what advice do you have for the students who are probably going to say, yes, Morocco, yes, Amelia, I know I got to pay attention to all these dimensions of health, but life though, but college though, like classes though, what advice do you have for how to keep the balance of a focus on one's health and well-being, but also knowing that you're also in college and you got these things that you have to do, like exams, like study sessions, like projects and things like that. How can they keep those things in balance? Yeah, I think that's a... Very, very difficult question. I know. That's why I asked you. <laughs> help us. Help us, Morocco. I guess first, I don't think I have any answers, but I do have some interesting ideas. And they're pretty straightforward, too. I think, especially when we consider, like, you know, first-gen students who just, you know, have less resources or people to talk to about or people to tell them, like, this is how you do it. You should consider these things. I think I would definitely, I think colleges should, you know, position themselves to kind of 
overextend themselves to these types of students. So, you know, they can find the time because, you know, they just have less time. If you have less time, you're just less productive and <laughs> these things become just super hard to rationalize. Like, okay, I need sleep. I know I need sleep. Oh, I can just get coffee. Oh, I can't do that for 18 weeks straight. Like, sick, or you're just not going to be in the mood. And it's just, it just messes up your whole experience. So I think um, if I had to give suggestions, I would actually say, I think keeping things simple is like the best way. And I think starting with sleep, keeping that like top three, top two priorities at all times, regardless of, you know, if you have an exam or what have you, I think just building a good sleep hygiene early on is a key. And if you kind of slip off and, you know, you haven't built that in this your junior, senior year, it's never too late to go back to, you know, the basics and really figure, figure out like, what's the optimal amount of sleep that I need and making that a non-negotiable. In addition, I think like the food you feed yourself as well. I know like college students, we're young and we think that, you know, we'll be young forever, but the food that we, you know, fuel our bodies with definitely impacts our output. Mm -hmm. So I think if you are, you know, having that all-nighter, at least eat like vegetables or like something yeah. that's going <laughs> to fuel you and, you know, drink tons of water. You don't necessarily need like that energy drink or coffee. Just drink a gallon of water during that all-nighter or something along, that, along those lines to kind of keep that balance. And I think the other thing I would add to that is just, it's like a certain degree of mindfulness that I think is necessary whether you achieve that spiritually or through meditation or just a time where you're not thinking about anything or just like silence. I think that time allows for just a clarity of mind and gives you an opportunity to kind of plan better, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to deal with the stress better and, you know, just have a good start, like just having that mindfulness, I think can take you far. Like it even allows you like, oh, all nighter, I didn't prepare for this test, but I'm going to take, you know, this minute to meditate. I'm okay with the results of this exam. Let me start thinking about the next exam. I know I felt this exam. I'm not going to be stressed about it because I took that time to myself to really be mindful. And now it's not like, no matter the results of that immediate thing, the next step or the next thing that is to come because you have tons of midterms, you have tons of papers and problem sets, you can address those more effectively. So those are my three just like simple things that you can hopefully just think more about sleep, diet, and mindfulness before you tackle college because there's always going to be an exam that you don't think you studied enough for an opportunity to do an all-nighter. There's always going to be like these barriers. And if you can kind of create some principles around your approach, I think that's the best approach. Yeah. 
Well, Morocco, I mean, I think we probably could stop right there. But we got to go to a short break. And when we come back, I got some more specific questions. So if you think that one was tough, I might have one or two more that are tough, too. I know you can answer them, though. But just to, to recap and say, I really think you really touched on something important in your, your last answer. And, I, and even though you didn't frame it that way, I think I want to call out something that's really, really important. From those three things, there's always the here and now, which is what food will I eat now? How much sleep do I need to get now? But as soon as you brought into the discussion of mindfulness, it's the idea that you're going to be looking to the future, that at any given point, you're always in motion. You're always thinking about what you have to do for the moment that you're in, but be thinking about what's next. And I I agree. I think sometimes you can get so consumed. One can be so consumed about that immediate test that's coming up right now that it's all you focus on, makes you stressed out. But the idea of looking ahead and planning ahead, I think planning is a huge part of developing healthy habits. And so I love the answer. And I think I could probably take some notes for myself because these habits that we develop when we're in college, they stick with us when we become adults. So I'm taking my own notes to say, you know, how much water did I have today? <laughs> probably not enough. All right. So let's go to the break and we come back. I got some more specific questions and then we'll wrap up. As you've heard in the first half of the show, Morocco is the founder of Fiddlist. Fiddlist uses campus and student data to promote student wellness behavior. Fiddlist's first product called Dash leverages behavioral science principles to help first-generation and low-income college students anticipate their intentions around academic and wellness decisions. Dash is a browser extension that turns your new tab into a simple web app featuring actionable insights to stay ahead, a mood tracker to understand emotions in real time, and a countdown timer for bedtime, due dates, and calendar events. You can learn more about Fiddlist at www.fiddlist.com. If you're trying to spell it, that's F I. T-A-L-Y-S-T. Morocco, welcome back. You ready for the second half of the discussion, which I sometimes call Ask the Expert. I consider you an expert. You ready? Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right. So my next question is really not that hard, but it is it is interesting. So if we think about the kind of health and well-being sector of marketing and merchandise, it does not take us long before we can think of devices that we use to monitor our health. And of course, I'm not talking about like the official ones that you might get from a physician, but like the things like a stationary bike, I'm not going to do free promotion for any particular brand, but think a stationary bike or a stationary treadmill or the watch on your wrist. And in any one of those settings, we get real-time stats basically help us track everything from the number of steps that we've done, as well as monitor what our friends are doing. So do you think that that type of real-time data about your own kind of health and well-being progress creates a culture of comparison? One in which I might say Morocco did 10,000 steps a day, but I only got 4,000. Or does it create a culture of proactive decision-making, which is to say, I know I can see in real time how I'm doing. Let me go ahead and go to the gym. Let me go ahead and go for that walk. And I can, after that, see how many calories I burn. Or is it like a combination of both? Is it part culture of comparison, part proactive decision-making, or is it a little bit of a blend? What do you think? Mm, I think it's a combination of both. But I think that's okay. That's okay because I think we're just like at the beginning phases or the beginning era of real-time data, like the tracking on your bike or Apple Watch and comparing it to your friends or, you know, having leaderboards. I think we're like at the very beginning of it from a, like a literal time period, like it's 2022 is what we look at as the internet and the web really just became something serious 15 to 20 years ago 
we have the rest of the decade. And I kind of look at that like we have 80 years until the next century. And like in 2050, I really see a future where we have real-time data, but it's more embedded into the workflows that we kind of already are used to. And it's more actionable. It's not just a chart of, you know, here it is. It's what can you do next? Or here's a suggestion to do in context to your holistic self. So I think right now, if you kind of just look at trends of just new technologies, we're in that phase of like, oh, it's the beginning. And we're having real discussions around it. Like, is this, you know, proactive or is this bad? And I'm comparing myself. Like, I think that's an indicator of it's just the beginning. And what, you know, we can become is something that's just totally different and more magnificent. So I think that's how I would answer that question. I think so, too. I think I can imagine that same type of future where we're going to have data so embedded in what we normally do that it's like commonplace. You don't even think about it. Speaking of which, I think in terms of the next question, I kind of want to build on that a little bit and say, though we may have the devices that are right there in front of us. So it's a watch, it's a treadmill, it's a bike. I think we've also heard about these companies, these devices that still track what you're doing without you really knowing. So it could be that cell phone that has some data running in the background that might be shared. And of course, I think I'm guilty of it quickly clicking agree to say I'm okay with this or that type of thing. When it comes to college students, I don't think that I can say that institutions or colleges are collecting data about students for any type of unscrupulous purpose. But there probably are lots of ways that most college campuses can use data to see what students are doing and monitor their behaviors and then nudge them to take certain actions, be it to get more sleep or to go visit the tutoring center or things like that. So if you think about that in the context of what students maybe don't know that colleges can collect about them, is there any advice that you would give? Things that they should be thinking about, things that they should ask questions about if it were you? Yeah, I think... Anything that is asking for your data should have like a student first approach, centering the student or really centering the most vulnerable student because, you know, technology is developed. And if you can create something that's equity centered and works for the most vulnerable student, it'll work for every other student. I think that's the counterintuitive point of innovation that will lead us into the new century. It's what works for the most vulnerable students and okay we start there and work our way to the more privileged students so i think a student first approach and their goals what they're trying to do and why they're trying to do it is an indicator that this is something that you might consider to share your data with I'm never a proponent of just like clicking yes, going through, you know, turning through. <laughs> so you'd have told me, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully we can set up our systems and regulations occur where like those things are more informative. And, you know, we've seen a couple of regulations to kind of help with that as well. Oh, absolutely. So I got two more questions. One kind of on the same theme of what we can do to help students navigate their health and well-being journey. And the other is my actual favorite wrap-up question. So we'll get to that one in a second. But if we think about, I know I asked you the question, is it a, promoting the culture of comparison? And so we've all been in the gym or at going walking, you see that person who zips right past you. They run twice as fast as you do. Or you're lifting weights and they lift twice as many weights as you, as you do. And you're thinking to yourself, they probably got it all figured out. They already been working out for a while. Or maybe they're the person who's just a great chef. They know how to make all types of healthy meals. 
what simple advice do you have for someone listening who says, you convinced me, Morocco, Amelia, you convinced me. I don't know where to get started. Are there any easy resources that you know about, places they can go to, to learn about how to manage their health and wellness? Yeah, I think, especially like students, colleges, although it's not that accessible, but colleges have a lot of resources to give to their students. Checking these websites and I would even say like putting reminders in your calendar with the link itself or like something to kind of make it top of mind when you need it most or the information on these websites, I think is a good approach. But colleges typically have a lot of resources, whether that's information on their website or actual people to help you that students rarely tap into, especially like at scale, but we're paying for it through you know, our cost of attendance. So I think that's a good start just to know what's available and then just showing up in these places, asking questions, like, you know, how do you guys source the food here? Or, you know, mm-hmm. what are the best <laughs> hours to come if I want to do this one thing and I don't have that much time? Um, it kind of just gets you going. So I would say I would start there, whatever resources are available from your school. That's great advice. I'm going to do shameless plug for those who work in student services or student affairs. Most campuses have a health and well-being center and some experts there. I talked to one earlier today who can definitely help any student wherever they are on the continuum of their journey. Just getting started all the way up to expert level. So we got a couple minutes left and I have to ask you my final question. So we talked a lot about how students can manage their overall health and well-being, what they should be thinking about, whether it be their consumption of food or their amount of sleep they get and mindfulness and things like that. We talked about how they should be aware of the data that's being collected and how to see that data as something that could be proactive versus competition. Imagine that we are talking about this in the context of a student who might start at Penn in the fall. And you have an opportunity to pack a backpack for that forthcoming student. What's something that you would put in that backpack and why? Okay. So I don't know. I think in our day and age, we receive information so quickly. Everything is just fleeting. And what I would pack if I was that student, what I would tell them to pack is kind of counterintuitive. It's a piece of paper and a pencil. Okay. And with this piece of paper and pencil, I would want them to write a note to themselves that, you know, outlines the date and outlines what they expect, what approach they're going to take and what's on their mind, what's interesting to them. And I would tell them to continue to do that throughout just their process of being a college student or journey throughout college. And I think being able to kind of look back and read those things that you wrote to yourself, your future self, it kind of gives you a perspective that this fleeting world just can't give you. And whether that's something that you expected when you were, you know, just coming into college or something that you want it so bad and then you got it and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. I think those realizations play into like your next step and gives you the confidence, even can give you like grace, give yourself grace of like your journey and what's next for you. So that's what I would tell them to pack, whether that's, you know, in journal form, like right now I have like four journals, four or five journals 
And I, I did this like back in the coming into college. I kind of had like a, a journal where I just wrote random stuff. <laughs> and it was so cool <laughs> to kind of look back and kind of just be surprised. Like, wait, like you knew what you were talking about <laughs> back then. Or you, you didn't, you completely didn't know. You couldn't fathom what, you know, your life would be, you know, now. And I think that just provides like a confidence, provides a, a sense of being, belonging for you that can help you be a better holistic person, a better holistic student. And it's just a beautiful thing. So that's what I would suggest. Morocco, I say the same thing after every answer to this question. I want the backpack. Now I want the backpack. I have a notebook right here and I got a pen, not a pencil. And if I'm writing something on it, I'm writing that I want to have a show that provides reliable answers to college related questions. And I want to invite cool people to talk with me about stuff at a level that everybody can understand. And I got to say, Morocco, you are helping me achieve this goal. It has been a pleasure to talk with you. All the answers you gave are truly accessible for everybody. And I think we can make health and well-being topics cool we can make them accessible make them fun and interesting and i hope that whoever's listening will feel inspired to want to do more um, to be thinking about the intersection of technology and data in that year 2050 or wherever we're heading so i'll put some links to your social media and your website and things like that so people can stay in touch with you and they're listening i hope that this motivates them to do something different and to embrace their health and well-being in a way that actually can join us in making it a movement that we pick up not just in college but for many years after college. So thank you for a great conversation. Oh, yeah. Thanks. And this was great. If you're listening to this show and you have a question about college, you can write me at amelia at speakingofcollege.com and I'd be glad to answer and maybe feature your question on a future episode. For now, that brings this episode to a close. I hope my chat with Morocco about healthy behaviors has given you some ideas for how to manage your overall health and wellness. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing and I'll be back with you in Speaking of College again soon. In the meantime, I hope you have an inspiring day.